morning. I uh, chose a scripture for this week, and we'll read a couple as we get through the lesson here, but I'll go ahead and read uh, our selection from Jeremiah, uh, from Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 10, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. <clears throat> Most of you this fall, I'm sure, are like me, and I have found a little free time on my hands between being in school with a full slate of classes, working for the congregation, of course, and a, a couple different side gigs, including working some hours at a shop when I can, and the schedule gets pretty full. Um, oddly enough, when out of school, with church services shut down, and under a two-week guideline quarantine, I've honestly found it harder than ever to actually be productive. Um, I think right now, in general, it can be more difficult than ever to be productive in a variety of ways or for a variety of reasons. Um, I think it's just difficult to maintain a, a sense of discipline or a, a sense of routine. For example, if you're someone who's on a diet or you're trying to lose weight, I mean, the holidays in general can be hard enough. Throw in uh, being cooped up in the house or the stress of feeling sick or, or taking care of a loved one who's sick, and it's, it's a lot. Um, Another example, if you play sports, whether it's in a rec league or for like a high school team, when things like practices and games get canceled, uh, it can just really have an overall discouraging effect, I think. And uh, that discouraging effect can kind of seep out into other areas of our life. All that to say that, uh, at least for me, I, I know it can be hard to find the same motivation and the same sense of, really just the same sense of discipline about things lately. Um I'm sure there's many others out there who've had to take some sort of mandatory sick leave from your job or uh, maybe you've even been laid off from your job due to the economic impact of, of what's going on or you've had to take a different job and you've changed from your probably preferred career path. And all of these are, are changes that can rob you of just the the normal, usual sense of uh, accomplishment and overall uh, plugged-in-ness that I would say you can you can get. Um, so what do you do when that happens? Where do you where do you get motivation from when the things that we've grown to attach our value or our self worth to are taken away? I mean, right there, that's the danger of putting value and sense of self worth in things of the world, anyway, isn't it? Um, so what do you do? Where where do you go from there? when you feel like you're in this situation where you just don't have the same motivation or you don't feel the same value that you used to about yourself. Um, in light of this and these feelings and this situation I think a lot of us can find ourselves in lately, I want to consider two, two main questions today. Um, what are you or I worth and why? 
Um, put put differently, what what value do we have? Where where does this value or this idea of value come from? Where did it come from? Where does it come from? Um, and I, I think I said this self worth a second ago, but I honestly I want to get a, away from the idea of self worth because sometimes, truthfully, we're not very good at assessing the value uh, of ourself or even of our own things, uh, of things that are important or intimate or close to us. Um, I'm sure all of you. Uh, know the story of some old fellow or another who who wants too much money for his tractor or an old truck because it's been in their family for years, or maybe it was their dads or their brothers. And and truthfully, if we're uh, if we're just playing the odds here, I'm sure there's a decent chance one of you have actually been in that position yourself at some time or another, um, trying to uh, assess value of your own things. And we're not good at it. We're we're really not, especially the things as I said that are. That are close to us. So, what do you do with someone in that position? If it if that person is your friend or your family member, you may you might say something like this: that that something is only worth what someone else will pay for it. I don't know if you've heard that before. It's pretty def, definitely didn't invent that one. Um, something is only worth what someone else will pay for it. Um, to to go back to the original example, if you're like I said, if you're trying to sell an old truck for say ten grand because it, it just means a whole lot to you and you think it's all worth this and that and uh, well, you keep getting offers in the five to $6,000 range. I think we would all agree that what, what you have is probably closer in value to the $5,000 and the ten. Why? Well, I think it's in our nature to equate value with cost or to co- equate value with payment. I mean, more specifically, in this case, someone else's payment, right? Um, in another example, I think this is the whole concept behind ransom, isn't it? When when something important or something significant is taken, and a great payment is demanded in return, uh, that that is demanded because what was taken has great value. Um, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to First Corinthians six. Um, if you don't have your Bible, take out your phone. I would encourage you to open or download your favorite Bible app and then turn to First Corinthians six. Um, in all, in all seriousness, if even if you were like me and were kind of anti-digital Bible, I really do encourage everyone to get uh, some sort of Bible app. Uh, you will be surprised at how useful that can be. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to someone or having lunch with somebody, gotten a conversation I didn't expect to, and uh, it, it gets a little bit more spiritual than maybe you thought it would go. And it's uh, just be able to pull out your phone and talk about it is really very useful. Um, Anyway, so we're, we're in 1 Corinthians, and here Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, um, providing encouragement, answering some questions that they've asked, giving some criticisms on, uh, on how to live, what Christian living looks like. And it's, it's this last category that chapter, uh, chapter 6 fits into. Uh, Paul is talking about how believers should conduct themselves specifically uh, in regard to this phrase or this concept that the English Bible translates as sexual immorality, um, now the content and the details of his exact message are, are certainly a worthy discussion, but they're not, frankly, just not the one we're having today. So I, I want to focus on something that's right at the end of chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God 
in your body. Paul concludes his, sexual, uh, his section on sexual immorality here with, with a comment on why proper living is important. He said, sin outside the body is, is bad enough, but don't sin against yourself. Don't sin in such a manner that is offensive to your own body. He says that, that the Holy Spirit from God has, has been given to reside within you and that your body is not your own. Your body is not just yours to do whatever you want with. Paul specifically says you, you were bought. You were bought with a price. Um, some translations even, even say with a great price or a high price. And by now, you may be wondering what, what all the, the talk of old men and trucks has to do with what we're, what we're getting at today. And here we are. Um, don't be clouded by your own perspective of your own value. Or even, uh, don't, don't even be clouded by other people's opinions or perspectives on your value. I think sometimes when we get, uh, we can get caught up in different things. And we can try and assess our own value or we can try... And maybe get wrapped up in other people's ideas of what our value is. But Paul tells us that you, you individually, your life was bought with a price. Your, your life, your existence, your soul was purchased by God at a great, high, significant price. Because you are of great, great significance to him. Peter echoes these, uh, these same sentiments in his own letter. Um, so if you still have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, interestingly enough, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is also talking about how a Christian should conduct themselves. Uh, and he's discussing more, uh, more along the lines of what it means to be holy, why we should be holy, what, what it means to be called to be holy. And uh, towards the end of chapter 1, he delivers these words, and I'm going to start reading in verse 17. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God." who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Peter kind of has made his point by the end of verse 19, but verse 20 and verse 21 paint such a beautiful picture of, of who Christ is and who he was and what his significance is and should be that I wanted to include that in our, our selection here. Um, but, but in verse 17 and 18, Peter's warning is really very similar to Paul's, except he actually goes beyond just saying we were bought with a price but points out this was not a payment of, of cash or gold or some any sort of monetary uh, currency of this world. But Peter says the precious blood of Christ is what was sacrificed, that we were bought for a high price indeed by a God who loves us very much. I want to look at a, a few more scriptures here um, to, to answer the second question that we opened with, and that was uh, the idea of why. You know, why do we have value? Where does our value come from? We, we talk about how the scriptures uh, discuss at great length this idea of a high price and a high cost, but why? Why did God send his son for us? Why did Christ die for my sins? Why does God put such a high value on my life? On me, a man, a flawed, limited human, why? 
Um, there are really so many places in the Bible I could go that talk about all the love God has for us. But I wanted to start somewhere uh, a little unconventional, as I read for us today, the words of Jeremiah. Um, and again, that was in Jeremiah chapter 29. And if you want to start turning back there to follow along, I, I want to take kind of a minute to set this up because, uh, it, truthfully, at least in my Bible, Jeremiah is one of the less traveled roads, less familiar areas of the Bible. Um, and in his writings, Jeremiah is a prophet. Um, he's, he's one of the latter prophets of the Old Testament. And Jeremiah's struggle is one that's probably familiar to a lot of us. Um, Jeremiah is struggling to figure out what his role is in serving God. Um, you see, at the time of Jeremiah, the Israelites are in trouble. Um, the devout among them have all been taken away into Babylonian captivity, and this is often referred to uh, many times throughout the second half of the Old Testament. You'll just see it referred to as the exile or those in exile. And uh, so many of the faithful members and, and central leaders of their community have been taken away. And those who've been left are struggling. They're, they're falling away. They're not practicing what they should be practicing. They're uh, falling into the worship of other gods and other idols. And Jeremiah is struggling with how to serve God. What does it mean to serve God in this environment? What does God want him to do in a situation like this? Uh, in the early chapters, God calls Jeremiah, and, and Jeremiah... Uh, tells God of how the people of Israel have fallen away, and, and God sends Jeremiah to prophecy about specifically about repentance, how Israel needs to repent and return to God, or else they will fall into destruction. So Jeremiah preaches, and he prophecies, and he speaks, and, and all but begs the people of Israel, stop, stop what you're doing, stop how you're living, and come back to God. But the people don't listen. Um, Jeremiah does this for much of his life, and there comes a time where he's, he's very discouraged because the people aren't listening, because he isn't sure what he's supposed to be doing. He, do, he doesn't know what his value is. This is a feeling and a situation, I think, that may be familiar to many of us. The people around you are, are behaving very differently than you are. They don't seem to care about the same things that you care about. They don't feel like they need to abide by the same laws that you feel like you're supposed to abide to. Um... And when you feel like your value or your mission is to speak to these people, to reach these people, to be out and among these people, and they're not listening, it can leave you with a feeling of, what do I do? The Bible tells us that we are to be light. And specifically, and especially in Jeremiah's situation, he feels like if, if he is sent to be the light and to be a message to the people around him, and the people around him aren't listening to that message, what do you do? Where do you... Where do you go and where do you find your sense of value in a situation like that? So it's here that we find Jeremiah in chapter 29. In chapter 29, the Lord gives Jeremiah this message uh, for himself and for the Israelites, beginning in verse 10. For thus says the Lord. I think right here Jeremiah says, if you weren't listening before, listen now, right? <laughs> um, when, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. The Lord tells them, I've made a promise with you and I intend to keep that promise. He says, you're in a place that's not your home, but I will return to bring you home. He continues, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. You see what I find interesting about this scripture specifically is that the Lord leaves no confusion in the mind of the Israelites. He says, yes, I put you into exile. Yes, I put you where you are. Yes, some of you have fallen away. But you know what? Call upon me and I will hear you. Pray to me with all your heart and I will answer. Seek me and you will find me. In Jeremiah, the Lord is speaking to a a specific group of Israelites about returning to a specific physical location. But there is a reason the Hebrew prophets are, are a part of our modern Bible, and that's that there are lessons and there are events that can apply to all of Christianity, and this is, this is one of them. The Lord says, I know you can feel lost. I know you can feel discouraged. But the place you are living in is not your home. Call upon me, and I will hear you. Seek me, and you will find me. He says, I know it's tough. And he even says, yes, I, I put you there. I put you in the situation where you are, but guess what? I have a plan for you. I have a plan for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. We spoke a few, a few weeks back about the idea that the world is not our home, and that's true. But what I love about this passage from Jeremiah is that the Lord says, it was still I who put you where you are. Yes, it is not your home, but I put you there. I have a plan. And if you intend to be a part of that plan, seek me. When we began talking today, uh, we, we asked questions of, of value. As I said, what is our value? Where does it come from? I think it comes from this. It comes from this right here. That God loves you and he has a plan for you. So don't be discouraged. Don't let other people tell you what your value is. In fact, I, I would even say don't let your own mind trick you about what your value is. Don't put your value in other things. Don't put your value in other things or in your own plans or in the plans of others. Because God has a plan for you. He puts you where you are now. He cares deeply for you, and he longs for you to seek him. That's where your value is. If you're listening out here as part of our, our perhaps vast digital audience, uh, as always, I encourage you to reach out. Uh, be, be a part of the congregation of the Church of Christ in Romine. We want to embrace you. We want to help you understand God's love for you and his plan for your life. We can't help those people we haven't met, and we can't fix problems that we don't know about, so please reach out. Uh, as, a, as I said last week, I'm going to say it again here. Uh, the contact info will be available as part of the description of this recording. I'm available through text, call, email, uh, carrier pigeon. If you, want to, if you want to write a letter to the church, we can get you the mailing address. We can get into contact that way. Um, Zoom. A lot of people are using Zoom. It can be available via Zoom, too, if you're afraid of meeting in person right now, or you're sick, or you're not allowed to leave your house. Um, and to the members of the church, we need, we need to be there for those outside who need us, and we need to be there for each other as well. Um, 
if if the lack of in-person services continue, I, I want to try to reach out to more families and to some of y'all out there just to touch base, you know, see how things are going, check in with everybody. Um, I appreciate all y'all who have tuned in this morning. Uh, you guys have a great week, and I hope to see y'all again soon. Bye.